everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. It is episode 84. Happy New Year. Hope you and yours had a fantastic holiday season. Whatever you were celebrating, whether it was Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah a little earlier, it doesn't matter. It's a time to get together with friends and family and people that you love to have a great time. Hopefully it was relaxing, it was enjoyable, it was healthy. Um, That last one doesn't really pertain to me (laughs) and my crew, but uh, I will get into some of those particulars in a moment. But again, Happy New Year. Uh, Thanks for stopping by. This is episode 84. We're going to get into uh, some of the stories that are making headlines in Houston sports. Over the last week, last couple of days, Rockets, Texans, uh, college football, you name it. We're going to talk about a little bit of everything today as we kick off 2022 the right way. Uh, If you haven't done so already, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks so much for those that have already. Uh, I believe we're currently the third most downloaded podcast in the KHOU family, which is fantastic. So thank you for that. And uh, I want 2022 to be a good year for this podcast. I really do. We, we got a little bit of a taste towards the end of the year. You saw a couple episodes ago, we did our first podcast on video. So uh, I'm going to explore those options now that the uh, new year has kicked off. Uh, we did that video podcast through StreamYard, which is an awesome service. The, at least the free service that they provide is awesome. It had some of the some of the lower thirds, some of the graphics at the bottom. I think you have to get a subscription to add some of your own logos and different features that I want to unlock. So we're kind of working through some of those things right now. So hopefully that will become a routine thing that we do with this podcast. And who knows, maybe along the way we'll pick up some sponsors. I have some conversations ongoing with that. So I want this to be a good year for the podcast. I think it could be a lot of fun. I have a good time on here, and we're going to have some good guests. Today, the guest is uh, Jackson Gatlin from the Locked On Rockets podcast. Rockets making a lot of of news of late. Now, full disclosure, his interview happened before everything hit the fan over there at Toyota Center with uh, a couple of players or one player walking out, the other player refusing to play in the second half, the whole thing. Um, We're going to dive into Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood here in a moment, but I do talk to Jackson about you know, what his take is so far on this Rockets team as we head into a new year, what he's seen so far on the court, and um, I will handle some of the off-the-court issues and give you my opinion on that. So, anyway, uh, where to begin? Holiday season, the last time I talked to you guys, it was a brief episode. Uh, It was December 18th. I talked to Sam Kahn of The Athletic. We were talking about college recruiting, And uh, so it wasn't, we didn't really get into a whole lot. So it was December 18th. That was the uh, Saturday before Christmas. So uh, I had the week of Christmas off. And, you know, I was actually proud of myself this year. Uh, My wife and I got all the gifts for the family wrapped up in time. It was great. And we didn't have to rush at the very end to get that done. And it was a good thing we didn't. It was a good thing we didn't, because about Tuesday or Wednesday, my son, who's four years old, going to be five in uh, in February, uh, he started he started developing, you know, a runny nose and uh, had a little bit of a fever, 
had a little bit of a cough, and, you know, he goes to school about four hours a day, five days a week, and, uh, and you know, he's not of age to get the vaccine, and we're not going to give him the, it doesn't matter if he's of age, my, my wife and I have decided not to give him the vaccine, but anyway, um, that's, that's a personal choice that we're making. Anyway, he started developing some of these symptoms, right, um, and so he, he, I, I thought, you know, we're going to spend some time with the family. I told my wife, hey, we're going to spend some time with the family. I want to get him tested. I want to make sure that these, uh, you know, the symptoms that he's having are not of the COVID Omicron variant variety, if you will. And that's that thing is everywhere, by the way. Uh, I heard somewhere uh, the other day on a podcast, and I thought it was a perfect way to describe Omicron. Uh, it, it's nature's vaccine. Basically, Mother Nature creating this variant. Um, now you could debate the origins of COVID-19. I'm not going to get into that because it's very political, but somebody noted that this was nature's vaccine that, you know, it's so contagious, but at the same time, isn't as lethal as previous variants that mother nature decided, you know what, here, everybody gets it. Everybody get natural immunity and we can move past this thing as we head into a new year. I thought that was an interesting way to describe it. So I digress. I go back to the story with my son. So the Thursday before Christmas, we get together on Christmas Eve with family and on Christmas Day. So the Thursday before Christmas, he was he was feeling a little bit better. I mean, his his fever actually hit on Tuesday. He had the runny nose. All that stuff was on Tuesday night, Wednesday into Thursday. And I thought, okay, we need to get him tested. I'm not sure if you guys have gone for a COVID test lately, but it is nearly impossible to find one. Like before, a couple of months ago, you could just walk into an urgent care and say, hey, I need a COVID test. Okay, sit down. Five minutes later, they do the swab thing, and you're good to go. Uh, Fifteen minutes after that, you get the result, and you're done, right? And that was great. Oh, no, no, no. This was not the case. We live out here in Katy. We went to four places, four places before we got to the one location where he eventually got the test. But that, for that test to happen, we had to put his name down and then wait three and a half hours, then go back to the emergency room where he got the test. We basically ended up getting this test at 9.30 at night. Thank goodness it came back negative. But I say that as we're starting to learn, some of these rapid tests are not picking up the Omicron variant. And that leads me into my next point. Christmas Day comes around. And, you know, you know when you're getting sick, right? And I feel like, you know, Christmas Day rolls around and, and I wasn't feeling great. And it was the day after Christmas, too. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling super great. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm starting to feel some of these chills. And I, I basically got the same reaction this time around than I did when I got the vaccine, the second shot of the vaccine, the chills, paralyzing chills, man, it was terrible. We had this rapid test at home. So I started feeling bad. My wife wasn't feeling very good either. And so we took this at home rapid test. It came back negative, man. I I will swear to you. I think I got Omicron. I, I, I will, I will put this down right now. My wife's tired of me telling her about this, but I, I swear because I think I got Omicron because it just so happened then three or four days later, somebody else in my family tested positive, and now we're all dealing with this crap, right? We're all dealing with the side effects, and he had the same 
reaction that I did, and it just kind of goes from one person to the next. Very contagious, as we've learned. So I'm pretty sure I had Omicron. I'm pretty sure my son had it, even though those tests came back negative. So my suggestion to you is to get the PCR test, not one of these rapid tests. Uh, I, myself, am going, I'm recording this on a Monday. I'm going on Tuesday the 4th to get an antibody test. It's some lab work. I just want to see what my antibody levels are because if they're elevated and they're high, that means I just recently had it. I haven't gotten the booster. I'm very hesitant to get the booster given my reaction to the vaccine. I really don't want to do that. Uh, so, look, hey, if I got Omicron, then I've got the natural immunity combined with the vaccine. I should be good to go, right? It's been an eventful holiday season. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I. Uh, it kind of changes all the schedules. I had to take some time off because other people in the family were affected. My work schedule was affected because they were supposed to watch the kids. I'm telling you, it was crazy. Leading up to the new year, it was pretty wild. Uh, I spent a lot of time opening up Santa's gifts, building Santa's gifts. So my son and I spent a lot of time making his toys. And and he's so funny because he... He's such a smart kid because one day he comes up to me and says, Daddy, next year on Santa's list, when I write my list, can we can we put down that the elves should build all the toys before they arrive? And I thought that was so smart. I'm like, you know what, son? Maybe we could put that on the list and maybe that can happen. Maybe that can happen. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a mess health-wise. I'm still kind of getting over a little bit of something. You, you just kind of feel down. I'm not feeling any... Adverse side effects. I don't have the the chills, the the cough, and the and the runny nose, anything like that. It's just kind of like blah, right? And I think the weather has something to do with it. It was so hot. Now it's super cold. I hate the cold weather. It puts me in a bad mood, as I've told you guys before. So I think we're just in this cycle, man. As everybody's getting sick, as the new year comes rolls around. I know my wife's got members of her family that have picked this thing up too, and it's just crazy, man. It's wild. Um, I've got a, I've got a trip coming up next month, going to Disney world with my son for his birthday. My wife and I are still going to do that trip. I mean, at this point, there's no real reason to, to, to not go. So, um, anyway, it's been, it's been wild. I hope you guys have been healthy. I hope you guys have, uh, have been okay through all of this. And, uh, the holidays were not affected by Omicron or anything like that. But as I said, during this little opening monologue, I think I had Omicron. I'm almost 99.9% sure that I did. Screw those rapid at-home tests because the fact that it was negative led me to, you know, hang out with more family, and then the snowball started rolling down the hill, as I said. So screw those rapid at-home tests. I recommend PCR tests when you can find them. So uh, if you feel the symptoms, if you feel that, go to a doctor. Uh, go to your local physician. They should be able to offer a PCR test. Not so much the rapid tests that are in such high demand because that is not picking up Omicron as we had hoped. Okay, that was my opening monologue. Let's get to our first topic of the day, and it involves our NBA team, the Houston Rockets. Rockets losing to the Denver Nuggets. It was their seventh straight loss. That was on New Year's Day. They've had a tough schedule of late, played some good teams. Um, but they have not been able to uh, pick up a victory here since about December 18th. That was the last time I talked to you guys. They played the Pistons that day. Have not been able to pick up a win in two weeks. Now, they've had some COVID issues, some guys out of the lineup, uh, health and protocol, things that have popped up with the team, and um, injuries were an issue there. Jalen Green missed some time. He's back. 
Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. missed some time. And then Saturday night rolls around. They lose the game afterwards. Steven Silas says that, you know, they had a little bit of a disagreement at halftime. Things weren't going well, but then the reports started coming out afterwards. Uh, all the uh, national writers started coming out saying that there was an incident. Kevin Porter Jr. walked out on the team after a discussion, an argument really, with uh, assistant coach John Lucas, uh, Christian Wood, was left out of the game. Apparently, there was a disagreement with that. I mean, there was a lot of things that went into it. Basically, those two guys had disagreements with what was going on with the coaching staff. And long story short, they've now been suspended for at least one game. That game happening on Monday as we speak. And um, Kevin Porter Jr. leaving the arena. I thought that was a, that was an interesting situation there because, as we know, He's had some issues in the past when he was with Cleveland. Rockets brought him here. Didn't really cost him much to bring him here, but they uh, they took a flyer on him. And he is an excellent talent. He's he's a he's a fantastic player on the floor. You could see the potential there. He's only 21 years old, um, but you know he's an emotional guy. Uh, and Stephen Silas saying on Monday before the game against the 76ers that uh, look he's an emotional guy. And in Kevin Porter Jr.'s case, because one thing that Silas did say is that he he differentiated from the two cases. Christian Wood had something to do with playing time and whether or not he was going to go back in the game and and a violation of a team rule and that disagreement. Kevin Porter Jr., it sounds like he did have a disagreement, an argument with John Lucas, and um, that was a totally different uh, case, a different situation. Anyway, Steven Silas was asked about whether or not this could be a teachable moment for Kevin Porter Jr. I thought his answer was absolutely fantastic. Take a listen. He is, uh, and he's emotional. Uh, he's a competitor. <laughs> he's a good kid. He uh, owns up to his mistakes when he makes them and tries not to make mistakes again. And that's pretty much all you can ask for from a guy. So, yeah, we put a lot into him, and we knew uh, that he had a past uh, before he came here. But, um, you know, we hold everybody accountable to, to what they do. And uh, we crossed the line, and he'll be back. <laughs> and we'll still love him. We'll still uh, grow with him. And everything will be okay. So, uh, yeah, for, we've spent a lot of time. And for this to be uh, blown out of proportion, it should not be. It should be a bump in the road. And we continue on because if you really love somebody, you don't take one instance and, and uh, say that's it or, or make it to where it's more than it is. So that was head coach Steven Silas talking about KPJ and the incident that happened after the a Nuggets game, actually during the Nuggets game, which caused KPJ to walk out. Look, here's why, where I stand on this. I People get emotional when disagreements happen. And one of the things that Silas did say, you didn't hear it in that soundbite, he said, you know, sometimes you learn more about people, you know more about where they're coming from during disagreements. And I think that's so true. You um, not only sometimes gain a little bit more respect, while in the moment you might be upset at what the other person is saying, you don't agree with it, and you go on from that. 
you do sometimes learn one way or another for good or bad about where this other person is coming from, what they stand for and this and that. And I think in this type of moment, I think the Rockets and KPJ have a better understanding for each other. Because, look, bottom line is John Lucas has earned, has more than earned, the benefit of the doubt for his work with NBA players, college guys over the years, try to rehabilitate guys, get them back on the right track. It's like Seth Payne said on Sports Extra for our show, he's a truth teller. Like, he doesn't mince words. If you ever talk to John Lucas, I've, I've talked to John Lucas a couple of times, I mean, he tells it like it is. And there are some guys, some younger guys in these younger generations that are coming through in the NBA that don't like it. They don't like to be told the way it is. And whatever was said in the locker room, KPJ took it the wrong way. He got pissed off. He walked out, left the building. That should never happen. You do not quit on your team like that. Just leave because you get upset. He deserves a suspension, and rightfully so. I think he he needs to be suspended, and I think they're going to work through this because I do, I do believe uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is an integral part of this team moving forward. Um, they got a lot of young pieces, some really nice talent. He's one of them, and I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt, too, because conversations need to be had. He's only 21 years old, right? And uh, when I first heard about all this, I, I wasn't surprised by it. Um, it was unfortunate because you don't ever want to see a guy walk out, and that's, that's unacceptable. I wasn't surprised by it, but I was hopeful that it was going to be one of those moments that he'd learn from because he's still a young guy. And really, the, the Rockets are like an experimental lab of sorts of young guys, teenagers, guys from overseas. And so Steven Silas and his coaching staff are having to blend all of this stuff in to try to get these guys better. But it's not just better on the floor. It's better mentally, better to understand what life in the NBA is like. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a lot of factors that go into that. And I really do think Silas is the right guy for the job. He He's able to communicate his points, especially to the media, in the right way. But I think that translates to his conversation that he has with the players. And the way he sounded on Monday talking about this situation, I think, I think he's embracing the fact that he and KPJ can grow from this, that the team can learn more about where – KPJ is emotionally. The fact that he's a competitor, that he wants to win. Look, he wants to be in Houston. He said it before the season. Porter Jr. said that he loves it here. He, he's got, I mean, he, he, he loves being a rocket. He doesn't want to leave. So I think that's, that's a good place to start. I just, uh, I think it was blown out of proportion, like Silas said in that soundbite. It is blown out of proportion, but most things are blown out of proportion these days in media, let's be honest. One thing goes on, it gets on social media. Everybody's talking a bunch of crap. And it and an incident that was supposed to be kept in house, then becomes in the public domain, and it it kind of snowballs from there. So, look, my bottom line is I think this is a great teachable moment for a young kid. As far as Christian Wood goes, I think they're eventually going to trade him. I mean, I I he's a he's a good player. He's a nice player. I think he adds a lot to the team. But they're not going to be in contention the next two or three years. And I think they can get some nice pieces, some draft picks possibly if they trade him away to a contender. And I think he can help a contender. The Rockets are not a contender right now. So I think Christian Wood down the line is going to get traded. But Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy that they should keep around and they should learn a lot more from, 
as far as his mental state and how to better work with him and how to better handle some of those emotional moments that Silas says he has. And the fact that they're willing to love him, to talk to him, I think that is fantastic. And now I want to get to my interview with Jackson Gatlin when we talk about the Rockets. I just discussed the off-the-field, off-the-court issues, if you will. But with Jackson, I talk about some of the things going on the court, what he's liked, what he hasn't liked, and we dive into some of that right here. All right, Jackson, always nice to talk to you. Uh, I'll start with this. When the Rockets started 1-16, what, what were your initial thoughts at that time? Oh, man. Uh, you know, with the 1-16 start and the 15-game losing streak, I, I immediately was thinking, oh, man, not this again, right? Because we went through it last season with the 20-game skid, you know, worst losing streak in franchise history. And it was pretty painful, right? It was rough sledding for Steven Silas and company. And it was not, you know, the the first campaign that a, that a rookie head coach wants to envision for his first time, you know, going around coaching an NBA team. But, you know, there were a lot of circumstances surrounding last season that were abnormal, that were peculiar with, you know, it being the first official like COVID season and all this stuff. And even this season, I think that, you know, one of the things to, to consider is that the Rockets had a really, really difficult stretch of games to start the season. And then not only that, right, they were trying to felt like they were trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole with the double big lineup of Christian Wood and Daniel Tice. And they had those two guys, you know, in the front court for those first 16, 17 or so games before officially making the switch and pulling Tice out of the starting lineup. And it really felt like they were committed to really trying to see if that lineup wasn't going to work before truly abandoning it. Because again, you've got Daniel Tice, who is, you know, half a season now into a four-year deal and you don't want to immediately have to throw that away and just say, you know what, we brought him in to be the starter alongside Christian Wood. And we're just going to abandon that, you know, five, 10 games into the season. They really had to make sure it wasn't going to work out and they kicked the tires on it quite a bit. They got enough data points and said, you know what, we're going to move away from it. So I'm glad that they did because things have looked significantly better since they moved away from it. What has impressed you the most about this young group uh, the first, you know, for the first part of the season, at least the 2021 portion of it? I think that if, if you're a Rockets fan and you're looking at this young group of guys, you have to be optimistic about the future. Every single young player on this roster has shown flashes of, of significant potential, right? You can go to KPJ with his, you know, adjustment to the point guard position and the flashes that he's shown as a playmaker and the growth in that regard. You go to Jalen Green, who, you know, has had some really, really, you know, big time highs as a scorer. You can tell that the, you know, the scoring game comes to him so natural, but he's even had, you know, flashes of some playmaking when you put the ball in his hands and he's running pick and roll, his ability to find his teammates is there. And that's something that's going to unlock his game even further down the line, his defense he's, you know, consistently all the way up through the draft process and all over the summer during summer league, Jalen green talked about wanting to be a two-way player, a defensive type of guy, somebody that can impact the game on that side of the floor. And we're starting to see that from him where he's making these, you know, these leaps and strides defensively where he's not like a lockdown defender right now, but it's putting that best foot forward and buying into what the coaching staff is trying to accomplish defensively. And then you go to, how can I leave out Alperin Shingun, who's been just, uh, it looks like, you know, has flashes of like what future superstardom. I mean, he's, you know, baby Jokic, whatever you want to call him, the passes at, at least once a night, Alperin Shingun has a pass that makes my jaw drop. Like, how is he managing to do this? And I think the, the biggest surprise of everyone is Josh Christopher, who, I was, you know, of the Rockets four first round draft picks, 
I was the least excited about Josh Christopher. And I've had to go back and say this multiple times because I wasn't exactly sure what he was going to bring to the table, but he has absolutely risen to the occasion with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green both missing time. His number was called. He stepped into the Rockets rotation and he has delivered in a big way, both as a primary ball handler orchestrating the offense and then also as a guy who could play off ball and make plays off of other people, you know, steering the offense like an Eric Gordon or a DJ Augustine. I think the thing that caught my attention the other day after the Lakers game was when uh, Coach Silas mentioned that he's not he, this team's not afraid of backing down from anybody. I noticed it in that L.A. game. Yeah, you know, the Lakers had their two main guys go off and they ended up winning the game. But, you know, if you saw the course of that game, the Rockets didn't really back down at all. I mean, these are these are teenagers out there playing ball. And I, I thought that was really impressive to, to have young guys with that mental makeup be in that situation and perform pretty well. Absolutely. You, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, at one point the Rockets were trotting out. They had three rookies and, uh, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. And Eric Gordon kind of babysitting that bunch of guys up against three future Hall of Famers in LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony. And it was just kind of a perfect enca encapsulation of what this rocket season has kind of looked like trotting out, you know, on, on so many nights, so many teenagers, right. You know, just kids out there playing this game, uh, you know, learning, you know, getting adjusted to their start of their respective NBA careers. But they do have so much fight and they're not going to back down from anybody. And I think that's a, a big testament to Steven Silas is that all throughout this season, even during the 15 game losing streak, this team has never stopped playing hard for Steven Silas. And that's something that opposing coaches, opposing players have commented on saying that this Rockets team goes out there and fights. doesn't matter if they're, if they're out there and if they're trailing by 15, 20, they're going to be that pesky team that isn't going to go away. They're going to keep trying to claw their way back into games. And unfortunately they've had, they've kind of, you know, fallen back on some tough times with a bit of a losing streak. Again, they've had some slower starts to these games, but they've also shown an ability to fight and claw and scrap and get, you know, get close to getting back into these games, closing these large deficits. So it's about just getting off to the right start of, a, of these games. So that they're not down 10, 15, 20 points and having to fight their way back into them. And instead, maybe they could find themselves on the other side of some of these leads where they're up by 10, 15 or 20 against opposing teams. What has been the disappointment? We talked about the, the thing that has impressed you the most. You, you also talked about Daniel Tice. And has that been a disappointment for you? The fact that he wasn't able to fit into this rotation the way they maybe had envisioned or the way that Rockets fans had hoped? He does have a big contract. Not necessarily, because I think with Daniel Tice, you know, the expectation, at least that I had and that many fans, I think, had for Tice coming in was that he was going to be kind of just the veteran big on this roster with Christian Wood just entering his second year being kind of a focal point for an organization, being, you know, a mainstay in a rotation and then bringing in rookie bigs, Alperin Shingun and Usman Gruba. They needed a, a, a veteran proven presence to just kind of be there, you know, as not necessarily like insurance. I do think the, the vision was to bring him in and start alongside Christian Wood. But they didn't expect, I think, Alper and Shingu to be this good this quickly. And so that kind of threw a wrench into those plans a little bit. Um, and now we've seen the coaching staff make that adjustment. And, and Daniel Tice is basically now he's that insurance policy. He's just that veteran big on the bench to provide mentorship, leadership to those younger guys. I think, honestly, and this might be kind of a, a niche thing to be a little upset about, but KJ Martin showed a lot of prowess last season and showed some significant flashes at the, as the you know, season waned on and the Rockets were had that revolving door players and then eventually basically became KJ Martin against the world in some of those you know, games towards the tail end of the season. 
but he had a stretch where he was shooting about, you know, right at or about 40% from behind the three-point line over like a significant sample size of games last year, like five, six, seven games in a row. And that was one of my keys for him this offseason was to work on his three-point shooting. And his regression as a three-point shooter has been pretty disappointing. That's one kind of very niche thing, but he's shown a lot of flashes defensively, offensively as a slasher, uh, as somebody who can play much bigger than his listed height. You know, he uses his leaping ability uh, very well, both offensively around the rim, as well as defensively being a weak side shot blocker, all those things. But if he can't get that three-point shot figured out at the NBA level, it's going to be really hard to envision him being able to carve out consistent rotation minutes down the line. So what will be a successful 2022 portion of the campaign in your estimation for this Rockets team? I think we, we want to continue to see the growth and development. It's going to be kind of, I don't, I'm not going to, I'll get a little bit more specific with it, right? Because I don't want to just hit you with a super blanket vague answer, but you know, this entire season for the Rockets is about growth and development of the young guys, right? About what do they have with Kevin Porter Jr.? Can he be the point guard of the future? What really is Jalen Green? You know, this is his rookie campaign and it was kind of marred, unfortunately, the start of it by that double big lineup that, you know, reduced all the spacing for the Rockets. And I've said multiple times on multiple different outlets that I feel like you have to take those first 17 or so games and just ball them up and chuck them out the window because those data points aren't going to show you what Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood and the rest of these guys are truly capable of because that lineup did nobody any favors. It reduced, you know, it just completely sunk any ability this team had offensively and then defensively they were floating around middle of the pack, but it, it really destroyed a lot of the advanced metrics for this team to start the year. So since moving away from that double big lineup, Kevin Porter Jr.'s numbers have been significantly better as a playmaker. He's averaging like a two to one assist to turnover ratio uh, about what is he doing? Seven and a half assists a game and about only three and a half turnovers a game. So that's a nice improvement there from him. Jalen Green, since coming back from his injury, has looked significantly more comfortable with all the adequate spacing in the Rockets offense. He's averaging 20 points a game right now in these last three games and shooting almost 50% from behind the arc. So it's the growth of those two guys, the backcourt of the future, and then all the other Rockets rookies and just seeing how they progress over the rest of the season. And I think the biggest thing that's kind of waiting that, you know, everybody's kind of just waiting for the, the shoe to drop at this point is what happens with the veterans on this roster, right? What happens with Daniel Tice? What happens with Eric Gordon? What happens with DJ Augustine? These are guys who, you know, they understand where they stand with this organization. This organization is rebuilding. They've got their eyes on the future and they're probably not going to be around for the long term. So it's what happens with those guys. Are the Rockets able to move them and bring back either more young prospects or future draft capital to continue to build and, and you know, keep their eyes on the future. And speaking to that along the same lines, John Wall, is he going to be with this team much longer? Um, it's such a complicated situation. I, I mean, people ask me all the time, it's like, what, what, what's going on over there with John Wall? Like, look, I, they just want their young guys to play. And now Wall wants to play. It's just so weird. So is John Wall going to get traded this season? You know, if you had asked me this a, a few weeks ago, Daniel, I probably would have said no, um, because that is such a sizable uh, I'll go ahead and say an albatross contract for John Wall. It's, it's, you know, close to about as close to immovable as you can get, but 
Thankfully, um, there's a lot of dysfunction going on with that team that was just recently here in Toyota Center, the LA Lakers. And there's a distinct possibility, I think, that there may be a potential swap of John Wall and Russell Westbrook if the Lakers are desperate enough to make a move of that caliber because you look at where the where the Lakers are at and every year that LeBron James has had a LeBron James led team that has had issues and has been, you know, suboptimal going into the trade deadline. GM LeBron makes some moves. That's what he does. And so right now, the Lakers, the only move that they can reasonably make is to try and move Russell Westbrook and either bring back multiple players in his stead or swap him as a one-for-one for a guy like John Wall. Now, would that be a straight one-for-one trade, Rockets and Lakers? I'd prefer to see Russ go to a third team. I'm not exactly interested in Russell Westbrook part two here in Houston. And I think the dynamic would have to be something along the lines of what they're doing with John Wall right now, where if they do trade for Russ, it's all right, Russ, thanks for coming back to Houston. We appreciated your time here, but um, you're going to have to ride the bench because we're focused on the future. And they're going to have to get back some form of draft capital or a young asset or something in that, in those regards to make that trade happen. But we're going to have to keep our eyes on the LA Lakers and see just how dysfunctional that team continues to look as the trade deadline gets closer and closer. One of the smartest guys I know talking about rockets, Jackson Gadlin. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Daniel. Topic number two, speaking about teachable moments and guys that, you know, should get some, I don't want to say help per se, but I think there's something else going on there. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, look, I got a text message from one of my uh, colleagues. I was out to uh, brunch with my family, and uh, I got a text message from one of my... Sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. Oh, Siri's back. No, I'm not talking to you, Siri. Anyway, I got a text message from one of my colleagues, and he uh, said, what is going on with Antonio Brown? What, is, what happened to him? So then I went online, and I saw the video. Look, he asked... Has he lost his mind? And I, I, I responded back, I think he lost his mind a long time ago. Um, there's this debate online. Was it calculated? Was this something that he was going to do? Look, he's had so many off-the-field incidents in the last, what, five years? I think it was five years. I mean, he threatened the general manager, Mike Mayock, of the Raiders. Um, he was brought into New England. That didn't work. He brought into Tampa. Tom Brady brought him back. He won a Super Bowl, so that ended up working out. This is so many off-the-field issues, and, you know, there's this debate whether or not this is intentional. He's doing it for attention. There may be some of that because he decided to pick, of all games, to walk out on his team in the way that he did. He did it in New York City and playing against the Jets. No matter how terrible the Jets are, that's still the number one media market in the world. So if you do that type of thing in New York, you will get a lot more attention for it, and that's exactly what's happened. But, you know, I mentioned on Sports Extra, and I, look, I'm, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm not trying to, you know, say that his actions are okay by any means because it's that was, that was a horrible situation, quitting on your team, throwing your uniform into the stands. I mean, that's embarrassing. I don't think he should ever play again in the league. But he can still play football, so I'm sure someone down the road is going to give him a shot. He's still a good player, right? I mean, he was, he was very productive. We saw what happened to the Tampa offense uh, when he wasn't in there a couple of weeks ago, or was it last week when they played New Orleans? So they just fell apart because he missed the game because of uh, the COVID issues and uh, the COVID card and all that sort of stuff. So he's still a good player. I think he's going to get another shot. I don't think he should because I think this is one too many strikes. But I, I think... I think there's something going on there 
because no sane person reacts this way. Um, not making excuses. I hate to sound that I'm making excuses for a guy that does something so stupid like this, but I, I just I just believe there's something going on there. Everybody talks about the hit that he took against Vontez Burfecht. This was back like, uh, what was this was? Oof, can't remember the year. It was a vicious hit. He was going across the middle. Burfecht went with the Bengals. It was an AFC Wild Card game, I believe. Vicious hit. He got hit in the head, and a lot of people think that some of the things that he's done stem from that hit, that he's suffering some kind of CTE, some kind of brain uh, trauma that's causing him to do these sort of things that are out of the ordinary, that, that th- things that sane people don't do, right? Um, th- there might be something there. I know Tony Dungy came out publicly on Sunday night to say, look, before he gets another chance, somebody needs to sit down and talk to this guy. Tom Brady was very, was very uh, – was very calm, cool, collected. He he was worried about a, he, a guy he considers a friend. Brought him to Tampa to try to win a Super Bowl. They did try to help him out a little bit. Things were going fine, and then they fell off the wagon again. So there are, are high-profile guys that are coming out and saying the same thing, that you, know, y- you need to be there for guys when they're having tough moments. And who knows what's going on in his personal life. Again, I'm not trying to make excuses. Maybe the guy's a jerk. Who knows? Maybe there's nothing going on. The guy's just a jerk. He's the diva. He just wants attention. Who knows? I don't I have no idea, but no sane person does these things that he does. He goes on social media and says really random things. Like, there's something going on there. I believe there's something going on there, and I sure hope he does get the help at some point. Topic number three, let's go to the Texans. Texans losing to San Francisco. They were gunning for a three-game winning streak, but it didn't happen. They were winning for a large portion of that game through the first half. Had the opportunity to get more points, uh, increase that lead, but they got screwed by a really bad call. Uh, Davis Mills intercepted. Uh, then the player fumbles the ball, but the referee said that his forward progress was stopped, so it wasn't a fumble. And that was a horse, you know what, call. Um, it was terrible. Texas should have gotten the ball back after that fumble that they recovered. But again, this team, they are who they are, right? But I will say this, and I made, I tried to make this point on Sports Extra, and I, I think it's worth noting. I'm not trying to be some kind of homer, trying to be some kind of guy that, you know, an, an apologist, again, for this team that obviously has a lot of issues. They're bereft of talent in several positions. They need a lot of work. Uh, you could question the coaching staff. David Culley punting when they're down by 10 points with six minutes to go. I mean, that's just – that's an idiotic decision. They have – They've been in a position of no punting since, like, about week eight. Like, these, you should not punt in these close situations. You go for the win. You're not, you're not really playing for anything. You're just trying to develop guys in certain situations. Like, put them in spots to see what they do in certain situations and so they can learn from those spots instead of, you know, playing the traditional field position. And all that. that doesn't matter for this team. You're not competing. You're not going to win. You're not fighting for a Super Bowl or a division title. That's not what's happening here. So those traditional decisions that are made by a coaching staff or in a coach like David Culley has made should not pertain to this particular team because they are not in the traditional position in the sense that they're competing for what other teams that are better than them are. I mean, they're just this. We mentioned the Rockets being an experimental lab of sorts. Well, that's what the Texans are. They got to get guys in there and put them in situations to learn from. So you could question. I say all that, 
But I still go back to this point. You could question the coaching staff, uh, the players. Some of these guys probably shouldn't be on an NFL field right now. That's fine. But I don't know who deserves the credit for it. But after that Colts game where they played the Colts here at home and they looked absolutely dreadful, it's one of the worst Texans performances I've seen since I've been covering this team. It's now going to be 13 years. It was horrible, uh, that game against the Colts. They could have closed up shop. They could have folded. They could have quit and be like, no, we're done here. We're making business decisions. I'm not going to put myself in positions to, to – you know, to to hurt myself, to affect my contracts down the road. Because remember, a lot of these guys are on one-year deals, one, two-year deals. But they didn't do that, right? So they go to Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's another mess. By the way, they may hire Bill O'Brien. How funny would that be? That would be awesome, by the way. Um, they go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville sucks. They beat them. But they come back, and they play a great game against the Chargers. The Chargers are a playoff contender, right? And then they go to San Francisco, and for about half of that game, they held San Francisco in check. Yes, I know the 49ers had Trey Lance, rookie quarterback. I get all that. But they were still playing hard. And I think it's noteworthy to mention that the Texans have not quit. And I don't know who deserves the credit, as I said. Is it David Cully to kind of get these guys motivated? Is it just personal pride as a player? And maybe that's it. Maybe you just don't want to go down in flames and maybe it's hey look we a lot of our contracts are going to be up we got to play we got to put some good tape on the uh on the on what am I going to try you got you have to put some good film or some good plays on tape so other guys around the league could see it so maybe it goes into that but i think credit where credit is due they they've actually played better and harder the last 3 weeks than they had the previous what 8 or 9 um, and I know they beat the Titans and all that, but so I, I, I think, look, the Texans are who they are. There are reports that David Cully is coming back. They're not going to fire Cully, which I kind of agree with. There's no reason to bring in a new coach. What for? Next year is going to be a mess too. And look, Davis Mills has shown a little bit, a little bit. I'm not, I'm not saying he's, he's the franchise. No, I think he's going to be a good backup in this league. Um, but he's showing some growth. He's showing some signs that he's picking some things up, the way he reads coverages. Uh, he audibles, the way he his, his, his passes are getting a little bit more accurate. All that stuff is good. That's what you want to see because Davis Mills next year is going to be the guy. He should be the guy. And then that will determine whether or not you go get a quarterback in the next class, which is going to be a good class because we got guys like C.J. Stroud, um, who lit up Utah in the uh, Rose Bowl. Um, and so those guys are going to be coming out, and I think that's going to be a really good class that the Texans can maybe get their quarterback of the future there and not so much next year or this year, I should say, when the quarterback class isn't as strong. So Texans wrap up against the Titans this week, and then we uh, we talk about the draft moving forward. And finally, our last topic of the day, it is college football. Boy, those were some fun semifinals, weren't they? Yes. And honestly, it's time to expand the playoffs. It's time to expand the playoffs because too many times we've seen these semifinal games, excuse me, these semifinal games be complete duds. Just bad football games, blowouts. Um, usually the Big Ten team is getting blown out when they go up against an SEC team. Um, 
like we did this week, like we saw this year with Georgia and Michigan. That was not a contest. From the get-go, Michigan got blown out. And uh, I think we need to expand the playoff, man. We need to expand the playoff. Look at the other games that we've seen in the uh, New Year's Six Bowls, if you will. The Cotton Bowl. Well, the Cotton Bowl was with Alabama and Cincinnati. Never mind. The Rose Bowl was fantastic. Ohio State and Utah. That was great. Um, Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. That was also fantastic in the Fiesta Bowl. The Sugar Bowl was good for a long period of time. Then Baylor kind of pulled away there late. Uh, see, th those teams deserve an opportunity to play in the playoff. Baylor won their conference. Utah won their conference. Now, I think, can they win the whole thing? I don't know. Probably not, but they deserve a shot. And too much of the time, these games are so hyped and, okay, the, the, these are the best of the best. We're seeing the best. But then they become so one-sided. I want to see more teams get a shot. Right, I want I want to see that, and um, so I hope that happens. And the other point of discussion was, oh, this weekend was whether or not these guys should opt out of bowl games, and we saw that with Matt Corral getting hurt, Ole Miss quarterback gets hurt, hurts his ankle. They say it's not going to affect his draft stock, which is fantastic. That's great news for him. Uh, but he wanted to play, and you can't you can't fault a kid for playing. Some of these guys make business decisions; they don't want to play. And I guess my point is, I, I don't really care one way or the other. If you play, great. If you don't, fine. I mean, I, it, these guys don't owe anything to to anybody, really. They, they're they trying to look out for themselves and their family. I get all that. That's fine. There is an old-school mentality. Kirk Herbstreet brought it up about whether or not these guys care about football. I think that was a dumb comment. I don't think he meant to phrase it that way. But I I do think with the with the advent of social media and the rise of you know, a little bit more awareness. Not that guys back in the day weren't aware, but there's 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 some more surrounding the players these days with social media, advertisers and and agents kind of coming in, and there's just a lot more attention. It's a it's a it's a me society. It's it's, it's all about me, and it's and what 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 I'm worried about for myself, for my family, and all that. And I get it. I totally get it. So that's why I don't really fault these guys for doing that. But I think it was going to be really interesting, and it's going to happen at some point. It's going to happen at some point. The one of these high-profile guys is not going to play in a playoff game because he doesn't want to affect his draft stock. And it's going to happen. I don't think we've seen it yet. I, ha I it Come to mind, I don't think we've seen a top prospect say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to play in this game. Whatever, it's fine. It's a playoff, I'm, but I'm, just, I'm good. I'm, I'm not, but it's going to happen. At some point, it's going to happen. And uh, that's when this conversation will then turn to, well, you owe it to your team. You owe it to your school, your university to play in this game because it means so much to them. But does it? Does it mean, should it mean more to them than to you? I don't know. That should be the debate moving forward. I think that is when this topic is going to get really interesting. All right, that's going to do it. Episode 84 in the books. I hope you have a fantastic start to 2022. I will be back tomorrow, hopefully, with another interview for you guys. If not tomorrow, maybe by the end of the week, I'll get you guys another interview. Uh, that time with uh, Sean Merriman. I had a great talk with Sean Merriman. Talked about the Chargers, some of their players. Talked about the Texans situation, what he sees as a former NFL player. Looking at that situation, I thought it was interesting. So hopefully I'll have that interview probably by Friday. And I will be back then. Uh, but until then, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. And I'll talk to you later. See you.